Hello and welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast, where three brothers from three different generations talk about their one shared passion, music. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my two brothers today, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis. Today, we're talking about the best albums of the year so far, 2019. You can now listen to episodes on the BrotherPod app, which also gives you access to new additional music, music news, clips, and content that we curate for each episode. You can also interact with us directly through the TalkBack feature, ask us questions, make suggestions, and voice your own opinions. Just search BrotherPod in the App Store to download on your mobile device. As always, you can learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Now, let's talk about our favorite albums of the year so far. Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. It's a full Brother, Brother, Brother podcast today, and we are talking about our favorite albums of 2019 so far. And I think what we're going to do is is count them backwards, five to number one, and each of us uh, listing our top five albums. Hopefully there's no crossover, and I don't think there is, but uh, Christian, you want to tell us what your fifth best album of 2019 is so far? It's very binding, so don't make any mistakes. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, you know, my approach to this is always, like, you know, I want to get a few uh, few names that are on the bubble that, that um, not sure not sure how they'll fare by the end of the year. They may grow on me, but uh, I definitely want to um, want to include them somewhere on a best of the year list. Um, so my first album is uh, a band that I have not heard a lot about um, called Queen Z. That's uh, Queen, like the rather well-known band Queen, um, and Z... Uh, Z-E-E. Um, I say Zed because they are from England. Um, yes. Uh, so they are... This is this is world music. Um, no, I've never uh, heard of them. So they're actually uh, on tour with Foo Fighters and 21 Pilots. Um, yeah, so wow. I think we can expect, uh, expect bigger things to come from this group. Um, but this record really marks the first sort of bold step into the spotlight. It's their debut album. Um, and I suspect they will be... Uh, breaking a few guitars and bones along the way. Um, it's, uh, you know, they, they've earned a real word of mouth, um, sort of buzzy reputation in, in the UK for um, these, like, visceral and um, pretty vital uh, live performances. Um, and, uh, you know, this album, I think, was a real opportunity to sort of prove that they're bigger than, than just a great night out. Um, so it kicks off in, in top gear with a song, um, Loner, uh, and really doesn't let up much for the next 30 or 40 minutes. Um, uh, uh, one of the highlights, Lucy Fur, um, sounds like a, a real riot. And, um, you know, Z's vocals here sort of getting getting pretty uh, getting pretty evil and sinister um, and sort of sneering uh, this, this great sing-along chorus. Um, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Fuck God, hail Satan. Yeah, you know what I'm... You know who I'm dating. Fuck God, hail Satan. Um, so, you know, I think there's a sort of uh, a, a, a carefree and, and I think um, pretty, uh, pretty fun, dark sense of humor that, that underpins a lot of this. Um, 
and uh, what what would you, you know, say a musical what comp? Genre? Gonna, yeah, I was gonna say if they're if they're fi- if they're on tour with Foo Fighters and Twenty One Pilots, I I can take a stab at it. But what what would Stadium you? Stadium rock. <laughs> gr- no, I'd say it's sort of garage pub rock. Um, okay. I mean they they you know there's a it's a little poppier in terms of uh, chord progression and melody than. Um, some of the post-punk that's been coming out of the UK that's so great recently. Um, so think a little bit more. Um, it's, it's a sort of faster tempo and... For fans of... So I was, I was actually going to say like a faster tempo and slightly less, um, uh, slightly less guitar solo-y, White Reaper. Um, alternatively, a sort of... You know, it has a lot in common musically with like Bat Fangs or um, uh, even some XX. Hmm. Um, so, uh, so I think it's it's a. But I, you know, I really dig it. Um, it's been on pretty heavy rotation for me, and uh, I strongly recommend everybody check this out. Um, and it was actually, I have to say, it was something that I discovered, realized I liked, put on the shelf came back to and as I came back to it realized that they had since joined uh, joined a tour with you know Foo Fighters and 21 Pilots and I thought holy shit now they're playing uh, Wembley you know this week we'll catch them at at, uh, you know uh, Baby's Alright well no sorry they're playing Giant Stadium yeah exactly Um, so uh so anyway, I think um, this is this is definitely uh, worth checking out, and and the lyrics are sneakily better and about more serious subjects, I think, than um, than at first. Uh, you know, the the opening two tracks would suggest. I mean, which are which are really you know a sort of riotously good time. Um, I think there is uh, you know apparently Queen Z is sort of uh, something of a local queer icon, um, and there's a a, a pretty. Um, sober uh, quality to, to a couple of songs, Sissy Fits and, and Boy Mastered, um, which really do kind of resonate as well. It's not lost in the in the rollicking good time. Um, you know, and they're sort of demanding that that the message be heard, but but there is no shortage of surging guitar riffs here. So um, overall I'd say like it's a it's a sort of it's a combination of, of a of a serious message and a and a pretty pretty sincere sense of mischief in a happy um, vehicle so uh it's definitely worth checking out all right chair what's your number five yeah so i um thanks christian i'll definitely check that out i uh <laughs> i'm not gonna bind myself to this being my my top five but these are kind of my top five right now and um you know there's definitely some some great albums that have come out this year and, and some that probably will end up higher on our year-end list but uh, the, the stuff that I've been kind of spinning lately, so the uh, Aldous Harding album designer, um, who is a New Zealand folk singer on 4AD records, and um, I say folk, and, and you know, immediately, you know, I, I, it sounds kind of boring. Typical or, Jeremy. Yeah, exactly, going back to my acoustic guitars. <laughs> but, um, but actually, it's a really smooth and uh, well-written album as well. It's short, which is great. It's nine songs, clocks in around like 40 minutes. And every song is, um, yeah, I don't know, like just really interesting. The song designer, the title track of the album uh, is a fantastic, like smooth song. It kind of reminds me a little bit in a weird way of like a cross between like Air and Rye if they were more folky or something, you know, it has a kind of a... I know when you listen to this album a bunch and like, when you're uh, on vacation, like, 
Like a um, Kings of Convenience kind of thing, or Rogue Yeah, Apple, but that? less like electronic. It is it is kind of driven, um, you know, a little more guitar, uh, but not like a Sharon, or I guess not like a, um, you know, uh, not like a singer-songwriter type. Not like yeah, a gold, gold frap or something. Yeah, no, it's not not as like party as that. It, it's pretty chill record, but everything on it is, is really, I think, catchy and, and kind of surprising. I mean, almost like a little bit like Marion Faithful, and then, but like a, a much more modern kind of sound and, and twist, and, and just has that feel of like an album you'd want to put on as you're putting on your, uh, you know, smoking jacket and slippers and uh, pouring yourself a cocktail. Um, I don't know. I know when you've listened to it. Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. On it? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's I, a good I just, yeah, I think it's really well done. It's really well written. And, um, you know, I think that's, I think it's one of those ones that might be a slow, I, I have no idea what her place in the world is right now, but it feels like she's kind of going to be a slow grower who gets pretty popular. Um, you know, I, I put her on that same trajectory as like a Sharon Van Etten, even though I wouldn't say that they have much in common. Um, but that person who's sort of just going to build and build and build a, a, a base, um, yeah, it's a, but it's a I pretty. Think, uh, you know, from what I gather, um, the uh, reception for her has been very good, both here and abroad. So I, yeah. I think, you know, like I said, it's building a, a solid. It's a career. slick album. Yeah, it's, it's well produced. It's got a. Uh, I mean, the the title is kind of appropriate. It's a. It's like a very well produced and solid. Uh, you know, kind of Product. for somebody who's kind of more underground and four AD tends to be a little bit on the. Uh, the edges, you know, um, but they always, you know, bands like Cocktail Twins and stuff like that, that who's not one of my favorites, but, you know, they always had a little bit of that, like, sort of, I don't know, kind of out there. Ethereal, um, kind of. Yeah, ethereal kind of music, and, and I think she kind of falls into that category, but I think it's a great record. I think it's one that, yeah, like you said, when uh, you're going to start to hear around and be like, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Um, nice. And I dig it. Nice. Well, I'm going to cheat and uh, give my five and four at the same time because... Um, I think sure. I think it's kind of funny. Uh, they they make the weirdest pairing of the year, and that would be Suno's Life Metal, um, which it clocks in at about forty five minutes for four songs, um, <laughs> and has become my go to writing album this year. Just because you forget that it's it's almost it's awesome. almost has more of a feeling than it does a sound. It it just like atmospheric. Yeah. It's very atmospheric, but it's so heavy. Um, it's almost hard to explain because you'd think something so heavy would would be a distraction, but it really just kind of it it has the it has this lulling hypnotic quality to it that just makes you kind of concentrate. Um, it is, I guess, which would make it the... Uh, it's almost like the Gregorian the chanting of electric of, uh, guitars. The yeah. Adderall of, of uh, this year's records. Um, but it, it's, it's two guys from Seattle uh, who've been making music for quite some time who've had some you know, fairly interesting uh, um, collaborators over, over the years. I mean, they did an album with Boris at one point. And, uh, you know, th- but this is uh, straightforward... Uh, 45 minutes of heavy, heavy drone that you can kind of feel in your whatever a thorax uh, thorax is. You can feel it there. Um, and But I would say, as I said, I'm going to cheat. And I was going to read the, the mm-hmm. names of the songs, but it's, it's so, you know, between uh, Slepanir's breaths, um, absolutely nothing in these songs would indicate that they need or have titles. Um, 
And then my f- number four record is Punk by Chai, who are a uh, girl, all all female band from Japan, who sing uh, s- largely in Japanese, some in English. And it is the obvious uh, comp, you know, is going to be, you know, I know for you guys particularly, is going to harken back to my love of Shonen Knife in the uh, early to mid 90s through the current day. Uh, one of my favorites. Uh, but it really isn't, it has the same sort of joy and and weirdness that Shonen Knife had, but I would almost compare it more musically because it's a little bit more uh, complex to, uh, to like Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix. It's got a really cool, you know, the production on it is, yeah, is much like more. Yeah, Hawaii twist, right? Like with, yeah. with, that, with that cuteness quality that like is so is, is such a dominant aesthetic in Japanese culture yeah it's it's and it's you know all of the songs have these very upbeat happy um, messages you know I'm me and and this is chai and you know fashionista but uh, it's funny too <laughs> it's <also> just because <laughs> you don't understand any of the Japanese <laughs> lyrics yeah. because it's upbeat sounding which is really just hail Satan over and over yeah, exactly. and over <laughs> I wanna, kill I wanna yourself hear. kill yourself the Sun <laughs> O'Chai uh, duet um, but it, you know it's funny because this album has 10 songs and clocks in uh, shorter than the 4 songs that are on Sun O but I, I think you know once you once you break out of the trance of listening to Life Metal by Sun O Throw on punk by Chai, uh, just to lighten the mood and, and get you ready to uh, re-enter society. Um, two opposite sides of the coin, but two really fun records. Well, I should say this is also a, it's very rare, Wyndham, that we get two uh, two albums in a row um, from you that really don't have a lot of like lyrical substance. Um, no, none. In one case, because there are no lyrics, and in the other case, because you don't understand the ones that they do have. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, so it's it's just uh, I don't know whether that says something about sort of the the state of mind you've been in when you were listening to music or or what. But um, yeah, that's cool. I uh, I will definitely spend some more time with Chai. I gave it a spin when I first read about it, um, and you know I, I liked it. It didn't quite uh, fit the the mood of what I was going for at that time though. So uh, so it deserves a few listens in a few different contexts, I think. But that isn't to say that it's difficult listening. Um, I think it's actually. Uh, very, yeah, very pleasing. Um, yeah, it's a fun it's, album. Exactly. It's a confect, you know, confection. It's uh, yeah. it's happy time music, and uh, I will leave it bar. at that. Yeah, it's beautiful, but it is it's a lot of fun, and and I like you know they they, you know they sort of uh, you know get the that these things are short should be short and punchy, and uh, but every song is is like a you know I guess if we're if we're going down the uh, pharmaceutical food chain. From my uh, Sun O Adderall to uh, my Chai, I guess would be a couple shots of uh, tequila and uh, and some speed.
what is your number four, Christian? So, uh, my number four is a uh, mainstay of the sort of post-punk scene over the last few years, um, Mannequin Pussy, who this year came out with their album Patience. Um, and, you know, this band uh, from Philadelphia, originally um, Marissa DeBeese, uh is the lead singer um they um they've they've issued two albums uh in the past sort of both pretty ferocious full bore punk um and both of them clocking in under 20 minutes which is awesome um they uh are now i think sort of evolving into a sort of slightly longer format um and uh and and really pursuing um a, you know it's, some of the similar um, sort of anarchic tones of, of their previous albums, um, but but this was uh, this was their first album on the uh, punk stalwart Epitaph Records, um, and I think it's a, it's a sort of more dramatic transformation for this band actually, um, you know, uh, and and constitutes their most sort of intricately layered um, and and you know sonically uh, muscular set to date so um you know aptly time or aptly named i guess uh for for a band that's been waiting to sort of you know come out with this fully formed idea um i think patience is uh, a group that's really been growing into um growing into themselves and um you know I, i'm excited to see sort of where they go from here um there are a few highlights uh and you know, I, I would just point to so I, while it's still relatively brief, it's it is their longest album, um, which I think makes allowances in particular for standouts like Drunk Two um, and Fear Plus Desire, uh, which sort of develop at their own pace as opposed to you know being shot out of a cannon. Um, High Horse takes full advantage of uh, Debeese's uh, Im- impressive vocal range, um, uh, building from a sort of you know somber melancholy to uh pretty pretty awesome catharsis um and uh then you've got songs like who you are which is just a you know pure um catchy indie pop cut um so uh you know and and still some of the remnants of of their older um albums which are which can be pretty heavy and bruising actually so um so i you know i think this is a, there's a lot of diversity on this album um but it, it flows together nicely uh they've really got um got a good thing going and and i look forward to seeing their next uh next installation mannequin pussy yeah it's a great album i like that record a yeah, lot that's actually how they prefer you say it yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Jared, what's your number four so uh uh Number four for me is going to be um, Tyler, the creator's Igor. Um, so, yeah, a record. I actually was not a, a huge fan of uh, Odd Future and, um, you know, kind of the, I, I like the idea and the chaos, but I never really got into the music. And I really loved uh, Tyler, the creator's last solo effort, Flower Boy. I thought it was, you know, still had the sort of strangeness and the, um, you know, odd beats and just sort of off uh, rhyming and rapping, but had more just structure to it and more sort of like catchiness in songs. And so Igor is kind of an alter ego that he's like sort of taken on, it looks like. Um, I mean, weird dude, right? We can all say that. He's, he's definitely um, in the freak rap fringes. But uh, it's just a great record. It, it's the, what I really dig about this record, it, it's less rhyme heavy than, than Flower Boy was. Um, 
but does have a lot of like kind of soul fill in. So background singing and just the beats and the, um, Kind of You're just describing jazz music, Jeremy. I know, it's strange, but it is kind of, I mean, it's like a modern, crazy, it's jazz on, on like acid that has like a, you know, you can dance to. Now you're but, describing um, acid jazz. <laughs> <laughs> All right, motherfuckers. <laughs> so, I mean, I would just pop this album on and listen start to finish. I, I think the, the first song that is an instrumental, uh, you know, beat Igor's theme is, is great, Earthquake, which is with an F. Um, is a great uh, song in, in the single, I think, um, Running Out of Time. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's like I know like when you're a big Danny Brown fan, I know, Christian, you like Tyler, the Creator as well. Yeah. I, I think this he's like Danny Brown to me, but with way more music. Like it's much more catchy. I think it's like, you know, less sort of in your face, yeah, and, you know, kind of crazy. Um, Danny Brown and Ariel Pink had a kid or something. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a poppiness they to, did. to what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Which they might have. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, so Ariel yeah. Brown Pink. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Actually, just Brown Pink. Well, their kid is, yeah, their um, kid is Igor. Nice. Um, uh, yeah, no, I think, um, uh, no, it's, it's, there's, there's definitely like, uh, so I've always appreciated from, from day one, like the, the sense of mischief that all those guys from Odd Future yeah. had, right? And like, I mean, they had, on the periphery of the, of those collaborations also, let's not forget, were Frank Ocean and, yeah. um, and, uh, Vince Staples. So like, not not core members, not even affiliate members. I think Frank Ocean actually might have been for a while, yeah, I think he was, but yeah. um, but they were uh, but they were very much like tangential to that to that scene and knew these guys. Um, they're just it's sort of the rambunctiousness of like um, the skateboarding rap crew of kids who um, are drawn from you know a, a pretty diverse range of of. Um, uh, of like economic circumstances of, um, uh, of, you know, personal backgrounds, family backgrounds. Like it's guys like Earl Sweatshirt have like a pretty rough home life, I think. Um, and, a, a difficult time. Um, Tyler, the creator, I'm less familiar with his personal story, but like the, the, you know, the bottom line is like, they were basically brought together by their love of raising hell. Um, and, uh, and they were all frankly pretty talented kids. Yeah, um, very and talented. so it's, like they're, it's it's interesting to see you know because they have such different reference points um, as they've sort of grown up and evolved they've they've really been able to like seek you know seek like pursue their own direction genre hops yeah yeah and it's pretty it, cool like it reminds it's, it's me a lot nice. of like you know not at all sort of music wise but just those early like funkadelic records where you mm-hmm. had you know I mean obviously George Clinton was directing most of that but. You know, Detroit ghetto band playing like you know insane yeah. rock and roll and psychedelia, and I feel like they're the hip hop version of that. And Tyler Creator, to me, is is you know been my favorite thus far. Cool. And this album's great. Yeah. So when, no, I think I think sorry, that's right. No, no, no. I was just uh, I was just yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm psyched about this. I actually haven't spent very much time with it, so um, I'm I'm looking forward to checking that out. Well, my next my next one is probably the most mainstream of the albums that we have discussed thus far, and it's Lizzo's Cause I Love You. Um, and again, it's just a giant bowl of happiness. Uh, different from Chai, obviously, but Lizzo has kind of... A bowl bust- full of jelly. Jelly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, 
<laughs> she, Lizzo's kind of, you know, <laughs> has, has made a, a strength out of, you know, what a number of people would perceive to be a weakness, which is, you know, that she is, you know, physically very imposing, very large, large gal. And uh, it just, but if you listen to this album, which I, you know, did on the way back and forth uh, this week um, to Western Mass, uh, it's, it is so infectious. And every song, you're like, oh, well, that's a hit. Every song is, it's, it's one of those albums that's almost relentless in the sense that every song's a banger and every song seems like it should be on the radio. Um, she kills. And they will be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, it's like a it's like a six or seven single album, is what it. Yeah. I mean, totally. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's really impressive. I agree. And it's, it's one funny. of those great records too that crosses generations. Like you love it when you know our our niece was just in town. Uh, yeah, she loves it. You know, my it's, kids love it. It's, oh, it's popular and, with the kids. It is popular with the kids. Like, um, it, but did she? So, our, uh, which you you mean our niece, Kennedy? Kennedy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, what, so is yeah, it, the, the um, Arnie's <laughs> collectively Arnie's. <laughs> the one relative yes. we have in common? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Exactly. So wait, but she, had she heard of it uh, independently, or? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, yeah. Lizzo. Oh, interesting. Okay. You know, I, I, like I, I, SNL and stuff like that. I mean, she's a big. She's. It's a pretty big. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, um, I well, okay. Yeah, I, I actually have I have follow up questions about this. I'll take them offline. Yeah, <laughs> but um, you know, it, it, particularly because I mean, I said you, you know, I was talking to Paul McNamara, uh, who I visited this week, and you know, we, he was saying, oh yeah, that song is just like the song of the summer, and I was like, no shit. And turns out we were talking about two different Lizzo songs. Um, oh, that's awesome. He was talking Truth Hurts. I was talking Juice. And, um, you know, both of them are wildly popular. Both of them are hits. But it, it's funny. Like, that, it, that's the kind of conversation you're having where you can't figure out which one's going to be the preeminent uh, song of the summer. And both of them sound like they were just birthed to be played at a, at a you know, at a roller disco somewhere. Um, that said, uh, you know, she looks like she's having a blast uh, doing this, I mean, I think she's in her early 30s, so it's not, you know, she's not a teen sensation like uh, a number of the other, you know, more popular acts right now. And also, the other thing that I wanted to, to sort of talk about here is, in the best way possible, it almost sounds like Chainsmokers did the production on this. You know how everything is, is sort of, like, amped so, up to a million with those yeah. guys? Um, and, you know, I, I happen to think... So test audience, but yeah. in, this, in this case, in a good way. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't disparage Chainsmokers. They do what they do well. But it does have that, like, okay, we're going to, every song we're going to do, we're going to do to 100 right now. And um, it's a great summer record. It's a great boat record. I'd also throw out, she has a great single with Charlie XCX called Blame It On Your Love, which is yeah. uh, yeah. from the album, which is awesome. I, she's going to yeah. be doing a lot of guest spots. The funniest thing is, I don't know if you guys saw the video or the performance where she uh, performed with uh, Janelle Monet, but it does bring into like this sort of stark uh, focus the the fact that she, you know, I mean, she's probably five eleven to something. So I mean, it's you know, as a, as a collaborator, she's, she's not making like like, and this is you know, we wouldn't focus that, that much on on this particular component of it I don't think unless it were like unless it, the, it were sort of a of it's a focal point physical quality of like uh, yeah that she she like she's very forward about her weight and like size and mm-hmm. it's just and she's yeah, it's, it's, and, 
part of her, her album she, cover. She commands she's, your attention. It's she's fucking, nude it's on like her album cover. Elliot did, you know, Differently and, uh, though, there's this is feels more celebra- you know, celebratory. Um, Missy yeah. always seemed to uh, draw attention to it, but you know the whole thing about you know if, acknowledge you, the but the, yeah, it was it felt sensitivity. A more yeah, yeah, and it was you know, but this is this feels like full on. You know, love me. There's a lot to love. Uh, you know, she's a, um, like I said, she's nude on her album cover. Uh, when she did the performance with Janelle Monet, she was wearing short shorts. I mean, she's, it's, it's there to be talked about, and it's, it's an asset. It's great. Should we uh, yeah. hear a track from it and sure. we can come back? Juice. Yep. We are talking about our favorite records of the year so far, 2019. And Christian, what is your number three? My number three is uh, Gauche, um, a people's history of Gauche. Uh, and, you know, I think this is a, a sort of a super group um, from, from Washington, D.C., uh, members of um, Priests, uh, Downtown Boys, um, and... Uh, X Hex, uh, I believe. Um, so they are, excuse me, uh, Flash are not X Hex. Um, but uh, in any event, they are um, really, you know, tackling, I think, some, some dense um, subject matters here. Uh, they are very political, um, as all of those bands are, and, and you know, independently. Um, but they have this, uh, this, this really sort of tight camaraderie that I think, you know, they've played together a ton in different permutations over the last... Um, several years, and uh, uh, I think that, that that sort of discourse, like that instrumental discourse, is like a really important part of, of you know, how this is able to feel um, sort of tight and, and really propels the music forward in a sort of gang of four-like um, uh, way, which is, which is pretty great. Um, and uh, so, you know, I think um, ultimately uh, this is like an album with, with sort of some elements of, of B-52s built in there or um, uh, and you know m- much like um, Bodega Downtown Boys has had Bodega um, more recently yeah. um, and you know I think ultimately it's it's uh, for fans of Flasher from last year like you're really not going to go wrong with this um, and so they're uh, they're signed to Merge and, and will be touring this summer so uh, definitely go check them out they're probably a very fun live band to see um, but the album just dropped last week uh, and uh, so it's it's Fresh meat. Cool. What's the album called? The Brief History? Is a People's History. A People's History. Yeah. Oh, cool. The Neon Chomsky. Uh, Definitely in that sweet spot of post-punk, that record. It's got that jerky, like, Gang of Four, Pill, Math Rock thing. It's good. Cool. What's your yeah. number three, Jer? So I'm going to go with uh, 
and kind of one of your guys' favorites and a band that's now been around for a little while, their fifth album, uh, Titus Andronicus is an obelisk. And uh, I, uh, I've not, never been a dissenter of this band by any means. I, I saw them on their first tour, didn't see them since. And I love, I've always loved, you know, a handful of tracks as if they're, you know, I think they're some of the greatest like punk songs that have been written. And I love, I love the DIY nature of this group, the aesthetic, the fact that they're from New Jersey, of course, uh, adds a point as well. Um, but I've, I've never really, uh, minus the, um, the monitor, you know, and, and then when I was briefly commuting to work and stuck in traffic, would listen to that all the way through. I've, I've never really kind of tapped into their albums as albums. So they're, for me, weirdly kind of like a playlist band. I like to throw on random tracks and... Had the good fortune, thank you, Christian, of seeing them and the, the record release for this album, which Bob Mool produced. And, uh, it, I mean, they're a blast. You guys know I'm sort of, a, you know, a virgin to their more recent live incarnation, you know, so much so that I jumped into the pit and quickly was winded and had to run out. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think in general, the thing I like about this record as a record that is, I've kind of struggled with from some of their past stuff, he's a great songwriter, you know, super personal, but it's some of those songs just are long and, you know, and sometimes in a great way, like more perfect union, but other times just in that kind of like rambling way and and his voice can kind of drain on me. And, um, I think like this one is just like concise, tight and, uh, you know, one of the best one, two, three punches, I think on any record that's come out in a while, the opening three tracks, just like ringing bell, trouble man unlimited. And I blame society are three of the best sort of rock and roll punk songs, um, that I've heard. I've always loved the fact that this band really kind of harkens back to, you know, punk being rock and roll. And, uh, you know, they have something to say, but they, they, you know, he's a great guitar player. They tend to, like, do the sort of, you know, replacements, Ramones version, uh, you know, Johnny Thunder's version of, of punk, which is kind of my sweet spot in that world. And, uh, you know, I just, I don't think this album's gotten really enough credit um, because I think people love their last one so much and, and uh, you know, love two the ago. band so much. Yeah, two ago. Sorry, you're right. There was one in between. Um, and But I think it's, it's one of their best. I think if uh, you're just looking for a great, like, rev me up with, again, you know, smart lyrics, but also just really catchy tunes. And I think, you know, Mool pr- production really kind of tightened up some of the uh, you know, never-ending songs yeah, that they had in the past. <laughs> But you make a good point about the the length, and I think you know I, I'm obviously uh, uh, have no real credibility on this subject because I am an unapologetic diehard um, you know go anywhere fan for this band. So um, I you know it's it's hard for me to to convey to people. Like I, I was listening to you there a minute ago and thinking to myself like no I actually don't get it because I, I fucking love most lamentable tragedies so much. You know it's just uh, I I actually. I, I don't ever feel um, like I want to uh, clip the ends of those songs off. Um, having said that, uh, I think it's really useful to hear from from you, you know, how somebody who wants to sort of get in and get a taste of this band might might approach it through this album. Like, this might be the, the entryway for, for people who are looking for something that's, like, a little bit, you know, more concise and, and sort of to the point. And I agree with you. I think those, that, that, uh, that you know, trifecta um to kick off this album is just like just it's it's just breakneck loud and raucous and layered and fun and punchy and exciting and energetic and and badass and yeah it's just it's and they that's the thing it really is like a um 
like the the roots of it are such like American rock and roll music. Um, like uh, you know, it's it's hard not to to listen to just like ringing a bell and, and think back to like you know super fuzz overdrive like Chuck Berry style. You know, um, it's just it's it's all like it's it's really uh, it's a beautiful thing. So um, anyway, and I will I, not miss them live again. You know, yes. I think they're, they're pretty, and I think that is a different take. Like if you've been there and they're perfect you're perfect age for this band obviously but like um you know i think if i had kind of grown up seeing them and at every you know time they came to town that type of thing those albums would mean a lot more than me because it's such a different experience live i mean their their albums are pretty raw it's not different necessarily in sound but it's uh it just brings an energy and a passion that like you know you're like oh yeah that song is great and you go back to it Mm mm-hmm well, my number, you want to hear, well, let's take a cut off of uh, uh, off the Titus Andronicus and come back and we'll do number two and number one. Sounds good. Let's do Ringing Bell because uh, I've listened to I Blame Society a million trillion times at this point. to the Brother, Brother, Brother pod, and we're talking about our favorite albums thus far, 2019. So, when uh, we're down to the last couple here. What's uh, what's your number two? My number two is Anderson Pax Ventura. Um, it is a really cool kind of futuristic, it's like futuristic retro sounding, and just to drive home that point, he brings in... Is that a Canadian phrase? Yes, uh, he he brings in a, a handful of of artists that you know make no sense on paper, um, doing uh, you know on the same record. I mean, Andre Benjamin, Smokey Robinson, Brandy, Nate Dogg, um, all very successful and and are great artists on their own. But um, you know, they, but they kind of you know they blend effortlessly, and he's sort of doing like a a, a more like a rougher, less, you know, sort of uh, um, regimented kind of retro thing that like uh, Raphael Sadiq was doing years back, but it, it's got just a much more authentic edge to it because he is a drummer and a hip hop musician. It it has like its own musical, its, its own musicality outside of. Um, just sort of sounding like cool old R and B. Um, that was a long way of not making sense. I am, <laughs> uh, but I will say, I just you know I throw it on and I re- I really like it. It's um, it's a it's a really solid like R and B, but it doesn't it it sounds vintage without sounding like it's ultra derivative. If that makes sense. 
There's two pitfalls that you kind of mentioned. So the Rafael Sadiq and the fact that he comes from a musician background that could really fuck up a record, right? So I think like with somebody like Sadiq... <laughs> None of that was, sounded appealing, actually. I'm sorry. <laughs> he was directing a band. He was kind of the, the James Brown, right? So directing yeah. studio musicians. And singing, play. yeah. Yeah, retro. And he has a great voice. You know, Tony, Tony, Tony fame, one of my 90s classics. And then, but with, um, you know, Anderson Pack you could be also too musical, right? Where you're, you're not writing good songs or great songs. Because Noodling. So perfect. Yeah. yeah. And I think he nails both. Like, on the, I mean, he doesn't nail both those crappy aspects, but he, he kind of hits this weird, like, um, it's like a vein you know, of, of originality that yeah, exists that, that and it, feels very familiar. Yeah. It's very familiar. It's retro, but it all sounds really modern and does a great job. I mean, even guest appearances, there's so many guest appearances on this record and like, mm-hmm. That's another thing that's always a pitfall, right? Like, oh, you know, like Andre is going to do this rap now that just we're going to squeeze in. It's going to take us out of the song. Yeah. Yeah. I I love this record. I think it's really, really good. And uh, yeah, Christian, if you haven't given it a spin, I I highly suggest checking it out. I love it. Yeah, it's, um, you know, and it's uh, keeping in in line with uh, his name checking of of all of the uh, um, towns uh, that, that sort of border... Los Angeles. Uh, he's from, I believe, Oxnard, but it's uh, you know he's, his albums have been Oxnard, Malibu, Ventura. Um, I guess that makes the next one Ojai or or Van Nuys or something. But um, it's just a it, like I said, it feels very effortless and, and shepherding these people in and out of of the songs. Um, it doesn't feel pasted on like you know we got so and so. Let's figure out what to do with them. It just feels very. Um, Germain to, to the vibe of the thing that, that's going on. So he's anyway, a killer drummer too, which really a, stands out. Yeah, he was a touring drummer before this. Um, yeah, so. that was his. I always think of him as a drummer first, but for and for like pretty major pop acts, I think as yeah. well. Yeah, and this is this is uh, the most I've heard incorporated his you know his individual musicianship um, is most pronounced here, and at the same time most seamless here, which is is very cool trick to pull off. What is your number two? Me? Yeah. I will, uh, all right. Um, it is Angelic Milk uh, with um, her album Divine Biker Love. Um, <clears throat> hey, so do you guys, uh, do you remember cocaine? Vaguely. Um, so, so for a long stretch of the early 2000s, uh, I guess a decent chunk of the American rock underground was... was um, Meeting uh, in the bathroom. Given over to music. I guess that that streak is continued, but maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was well, I you know I I'm not sure, um, but was given over to music that would that would sound good basically if you were if you were jittery and overconfident and and uh, and if it was three o'clock in the morning and what better a way to ensure that all of those three things are happening um, and you know this was this was true of like garage rock of course um, but also dance punk and and like electro clash it was all cocaine music. Um, the Strokes, uh, Darkness and Electric Six, um, you know, these guys were like getting played at parties and, and, and garnering critical acclaim. The Rapture, um, Chick, 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 all of them, yeah. Yeah, everybody wore feather boas to clubs, uh, and had mop-toppy Brit, you know, Brit-pop hair, and, and Brit-pop had ceased to be a thing ten years earlier. It was just, it was, it was, uh, an incredible time. Um, yes, exactly. Uh. And, you know, I, I think that um, for, for a while there, it was like, uh, it, it, it was like 
the denizens of, of America's rock clubs were, were getting our own little mini, like, sunset strip, you know, thing going. Um, and on balance, this was probably a bad thing. Uh, but, you know, I think uh, in the time since, what's been interesting um, is, you know, the music has, has gotten more sincere um, in a lot of ways and more, more thoughtful and more textured. Um, and, you know, I think ultimately these things are, are sort of super cyclical, so we're, we're likely to find, uh, uh, find our way back into that, um, uh, into that moment again. Um, but it is, it is sort of worth thinking about the, the bigger picture trends that, um, you know, the sort of societal trends that sort of map onto these, like, musical trends as well. Um, so enter Angelic Milk. Um, I'm, presu- and, I'm assuming uh, from, your, from your intro that... This is a one person, an individual performing under a moniker? Yes, and that is Sarah Persephone, um, who is uh, leader of the St. Petersburg band, uh, Angelic Milk. Um, and in... Uh, Florida uh, or Russia? <laughs> I was thinking uh, the same thing. I actually don't know, um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to assume Florida. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I know. It's, it's like uh, I mean, it's a, it's a matter of like is, so is they're it bringing the, they're bringing the coke up the coast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is it are we talking pussy ride or are we talking limp biscuit? <laughs> yeah. Um, are they from St. Petersburg? I have no idea. I, they're from Florida. Really, I think they're from Michigan. Limp biscuit. Limp biscuit, Florida. Not from Detroit. No. No. Yeah. Fooled by the baseball hat. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it definitely feels Floridian. There's no question. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so in any event, uh, maybe maybe Florida's overdue some redemption here. Um, uh, I'm just a lonely girl from the north who loves the danger. It's all quite clear. I don't deserve being treated like an angel. So that that's her uh, that's her sort of uh, thesis statement, I think, here um, on on this album, Divine Biker Love. Um, you know, ultimately, the, a lot of the things that she's thinking about really aren't new, um, but but she does find uh, an off kilter and cool way, sort of lyrically, to, to get a lot of these ideas across. Um, you know, uh, so lyrics like ball gag kiss promise endless bliss black leather skirt for your little miss hello kitty knife on a midnight drive cocaine and velvets and satan's high five so it's just like there's a sort of imagistic quality to a lot of these lyrics that are that are pretty uh pretty fun but ultimately like you know you're gonna have to dig it because you like the music and these are these are sort of great like rock punk melodies um that just keep the album driving she does some fun uh you know fun manipulations with her voice but for the most part um this is just a really like well planned and thought out garage punk album I think um, that ha- just happens to be made ba- basically by one person at home um, and uh, if there's one thing that that garage punk albums don't often benefit from it's it's you know um, long gestation periods of thinking uh, and you know a lot of times I think what makes them so great is is the sort of spontane- spontaneity and like the spark that drives them so um, you know, they can certainly marinate for too long and turn into something that isn't quite as good. Um, and in this case, I think what we've got is somebody who, who spent a lot of time with it, um, sort of perfecting it, uh, but didn't, it doesn't feel over-engineered. It doesn't feel uh, cluttered. Um, it's just, it, it just feels really well-refined um, and, and sort of pure in that sense. So um, speaking of refining and purity, 
I will turn it over to, to one of you guys for um, for sure. your number two. Cool. It sounds like, and there's been a lot of like good garage and punk this year, which is and um, bad and bad b- band names. Yeah, there are definitely a lot of bad band names. I'm realizing that I'm picking a lot of solo artists, and um, next one won't be a surprise. But I am gonna pop in there, uh, and I did talk about this earlier in the year, so it is a little bit of a retread. But Ariana Grande's "Thank You Next" and. Um, I think, like, a couple things about this record, like, you know, one is that, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed her singles over a lot of her contemporaries, so I think she has always kind of had a, a ear or, or a production team or whatever the hell it is that, that pumps out these songs for tapping into some of the more kind of, you know, whether it's, like, sort of underground or street or club appeal while also just being massive, um, you know, like Taylor Swift massive, so you know, kind of skates that line that people, you know, in, in my childhood, like Madonna used to be able to do. But the last two records, this one being, you know, the, the, the latter, um, Sweetener in 2018 and 2019, had like a lot more depth and were very much more album focused in a genre that's super single uh, oriented. And, you know, mind you, you know, I, talk sometimes about my daughter so that does help the fact that I'm in cars with in the car with them a lot and I you know we listen to music and I tend to you know Ariana's the great them. uniter yeah Ariana's the one that I can take um but uh thank you next is, is a really great record I mean it's one that uh you know she basically like backloaded it I think all three of the you know or all four of the singles are all at the end so I think, you know, it marks a little bit of confidence there, just putting yourself forward. The, the album is very much about sort of like, you know, being single again and, you know, breaking up. She had a, a I don't know if there was a fiancé or boyfriend who died. Um, Mac Miller. Yeah, Mac Miller. And then, and then, then Pete um, Davidson getting Ariana oh, tattoos. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just in general, like, I think it's one of those ones that sounds, has a lot more depth than you think, like, sounds like your you know regular bubblegum pop but then also has you know some really great production and, and really great um you know sort of beats uh, the singles alone i mean break up with your girlfriend i'm bored you know when and i were joking like why the hell didn't anybody else think of that that's such a great you know pop song and great uh great chorus and title thank you next is, is i think a, a really good single that really grew on me and uh it was a huge huge hit um seven rings and then you know there's other songs on there like you know makeup in my head that, that are all pretty good and I think in general she's kind of taken over the uh, quietly or maybe not so quietly but really kind of has bridged the gap you know where you have a lot of like hipster cred for like a Carly Rae Jepsen or you know people like that that are also big but I think Ariana is somebody who is massive and uh, you know really kind of floats about unlike you know you, you know there's a lot of hype on some other albums this year that I just did not get into and this one, uh, I think, if you have a little uh, tinge for some pop music, go for it. It's a great record. I, I think it's the kind of album that people used to refer to as a guilty pleasure and don't any longer because it's totally. just good. Yeah, same way, like, you know, Justin Timberlake became relevant or something like that. But I actually think she, and again, I don't know whether it's the team behind her or, or what she actually brings to the, the table. And sorry, Ariana, she might bring it all. But um, I think it, it's actually, you know, she does kind of elevate the music more than a lot of those other artists do where they might have a great single cool well I already gave you my number two which was Anderson Pack, and so I'm going to go I'm going to lead off the number one uh, with my favorite album of the year uh, which will I am 
predicting be my favorite album of the year by the end of the year as well, which is Wisebloods Titanic Rising. Uh, again, somebody who is uh, slowly building a, a much bigger audience, I think, um, through the strength of this record. I've made a lot of, I've talked about it at length, I think, a couple of times on the podcast, so I won't bore you to death with all the uh, 70s comparisons, but there is some, there's a warmth, and uh, now that I've seen her live, Jared and I saw her live a couple months ago, and I, she's making a lot of TV appearances these days. She was on Seth Meyers the other night. Um, I'm realizing that not only does she... Is she tinged with uh, the sort of um, heartbreak and, and gravity of the, the sort of uh, best of the 70s songwriters, um, but she actually moves like a 70s artist, too. Uh, she actually dances like she's on the Sonny and Cher Hour. Um, so, uh, you know, this, I, I, I won't bore you, Um with my litany of of uh, high praise for Wise Blood's Titanic Rising, but I will say, listen to it. It is great, and it is my favorite album of the year by a lot. It's good, and uh, I know why it's your favorite when it's like a, a warm blanket of sound for you, and, and she was really good live. That was a fun show. It's like being back in the uh, Forty Cano line, driving around the East Coast uh, <laughs> with a single mother all over again. A-track in. Yeah. So, Christian, what's your number one? Um, <clears throat> wow, that was boring. Um, <laughs> sorry, I really, I, I just can't figure that album out. I would really like to, uh, it's called like Being to Born like in it. Nineteen eighty-eight. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think so. Except, that, I mean, you know, that that isn't usually a, a prohibitive factor. I mean, I at least understand the appeal, but it's just, um, it's, I, I think it's just, it's, it's nostalgia. But, but for something that I'm not nostalgic about. Yeah, well, I, um, I will say that I'm not alone in my uh, appreciation of it. So it's not like I'm out on a limb. I think it's one of the best received records of the year by a lot of people. Um, no, no, I, I hear that. But I, I wonder if nostalgia plays a role in, in anybody else's assessment as well. Maybe. Um, maybe I'll come around. Um, it, it may catch you one of these days. Yep. Um, so... I my number After one your pick second divorce <laughs> for the first uh, for my number one pick for for the half of the year um, is Kyle Kraft's Showboat Honey, um, and uh, so the story is that Shreveport, Louisiana native Kyle Kraft came to music in his early teens via a chance uh, Kmart purchase of a David Bowie compilation. Um, and he has uh, certainly become quite the, the 70s rock disciple. Um, and uh, on, on his latest album, Showboat Honey, um, which is his third sub-pop release, um, he is fusing American Southern rock, British glam, and you know his own sort of uh, unique knack for, for like these wonderfully colorful characters um, and, and sort of phraseology. So, uh, you know... The, the track list opens with um, Broken Mirror Pose, um, which is uh, under under three minutes and, and um, a sort of saxophonated barroom jam um, and uh, uh, is followed by um, Oh Lucky Hand, the power pop uh, garage rock um, of like Too Ugly for New York, which is uh, a great song. Um, and then on the sort of spare side, you've got rock ballads like Death Wish Blue. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, ultimately this is a, a big a, a big step up, in my opinion, from um, the 2000 
16 um, uh, sort of debut Dolls of Highland. Um, there are uh, tons of shades of, of Lennon and Harrison, um, Bolin, uh, Bowie, um, and, uh, you know, he really does have this sort of unique voice, I think, that um, both, like, uh, literally and literarily. Um, and uh, he, he's able to sort of keep all that, you know, keep all of those influences rooted in his, his sort of perspective. Um, so, you know, I think it's just, it's instantly gratifying um, in terms of the infectious hooks. Um, and, uh, you know, that follows along with his, his previous releases, but it's actually a step up um, in, in terms of the, the solidness of, of the songs. Uh, and it really does settle in with, with repeat listens as well. So um, I think he's building a pretty reliable catalog here. Cool. cool. I think Jared yeah, and I are going to go see him next Wednesday, so. Yeah. That'll be fun. Uh, Jared, what's your, what's your number one since Ariana so, Grande isn't? Yeah. My number one, um, and this will definitely be in my top five at the end of the year. I'm not gonna not gonna crown anybody number one yet, but uh, is Haledo Negro um, Black Ice Cream by the uh, <laughs> translation, and uh, it's uh, Robert uh, Carlos Lang's album. This is how you smile. Uh, this album was like instantly likable to me. I mean, the minute I heard it, it was like a start to finish record. It's just a great record and uh he actually was just awarded um fellow and music recipient grants from uh the foundation of contemporary art this year um he has like eight albums i think is florida another florida born but brooklyn resident and um you know i honestly am not super familiar with his back catalog but this record in particular is you know i think what kind of constitutes a great record is being able to just put it on and, and not care what track you're on. And, and um, this is just one of those records for me. It, it has a, you know, just a, a cool, interesting sound and, and floats around um, in kind of a, a, you know, positive yet like very chill way. And uh, I know you guys both like this record and probably talked about it prior on a pod that I wasn't on, but right now it's uh, it's my number one. It seems like a, it's almost like a, um, if I mean, it, it take everything away from but it's almost like Eamon Dunes without the angst um, yeah like a less I don't like know what's dark. left <laughs> yeah there's not much I was about to say there's not much <laughs> left after that but, but it does have like that it has that kind of pace and quietude that uh, Eamon Dunes has but um, obviously it's a much happier uh, coming from yeah, a much happier think- person a good example like just as cohesive as that too where track after track kind of flow into each other mm-hmm. in, a, in a way that Amon Dunes album last year did too so um yeah I love this record it's uh it's great and it's one that I pop on constantly just to play you know much like uh your your son where it's like kind of while I'm working or, or flying or doing what I do all right we want to take a quick break come back and, and end this how we end everything let's do it end it all live town Ocean on top, blue tide, and orange won't let go. Let me be, please, won't please. Blush now, they can't have no. Life long 
Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Uh, we are going to end this show like we end every show with the uh, mind erasing question What are you with listening to? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. So, Christian, uh, what, what are you listening to? God damn it. Um, I really thought that you were going to. So, uh, I am almost. I've, I've just finished a, a, a book called China Dream by Ma Jiang. Um, who is uh, said to be um, sort of, you know, mainland China's uh, Solzhenitsyn. Um, he, uh, it's, a, it's a very short, sort of tightly wound um, novel that, uh, that basically presents you with um, these, these sort of seven dream sequences centered around a single character, um, a, uh, a party official um, in, in China who is... Uh, who is simultaneously um, promoting and uh, designing the rollout plan for Xi Jinping's um, China Dream Bureau, uh, which is supposed to um, unite the the country and ultimately um, the world around this uh, this Marxist vision, um, while simultaneously wrestling with his own uh, demons and memories of um, the. Uh, cultural revolution um and so it's uh it's it, it's a it, it is structurally um you know not the most conventional novel in that respect um but it almost reads like uh seven related short stories um you know built around this uh built around this single character um the the book also i have to say like just has absolutely beautiful um cover art which was uh which was actually produced by Ai Weiwei um, the the fairly you know well known um, uh, Chinese dissident and artist who's popularized in uh, the Netflix documentary Ai Weiwei Never Sorry. Um, so you know I think with uh, with China being sort of um, high on the agenda right now and and very much in the news uh, whether through the Hong Kong extradition treaty protests or or what have you. Um, this is uh, this was really a sort of a, a welcome find for me. I, I um, don't have a, a ton of exposure to, to Chinese lit, but um, this is a, a really strong uh, strong work of fiction, and I definitely recommend people check it out. Yeah, you, you turned me on to the sympathizer a few years ago. I loved that. Extraordinary, um, yeah. Uh, which I highly highly recommend to anybody. But uh, that yeah, had a, that had, when, a very, yeah. had a very um, you know sort of uh, uh, had a quality of. of Conf, you know, confusing the reader, but then straightening everything out is this sort of that same thing right. where it sort of throws you with a bunch of dazzle camouflage and then kind of fo- you yeah, know, you, brings you your basically focus get you, you can so the first twenty pages you're just thinking, well, okay, surely somebody's going to explain what the what the hell is going on. <laughs> um, do I need to know these people? Uh, and it's not even actually the first twenty pages; it's probably the first fifteen. Um, but it does it does start to clarify once you've read the first chapter like in in its own right as a sort of self-contained like story it makes sense you just don't understand why you need to know this and and sort of where you are Mm -hmm. um it really it just it begins in media race in a way that that um yeah and and uh you know but but by the end of the second chapter you've picked up on the fact that like okay these are six or these are seven stories about this guy's life and sort of you know career and and what what's going on sort of in, as he's as he's battling this uh, this horrible sort of trauma basically um, and I think also it's playing on the fact that uh, you know it, it, they are dream sequences in a sense that, that like they're um, uh, 
built around his own um, sort of nightmares of a, of a real yeah. life trauma, but also. Um, I think it's it's toying with this idea that like you think for a moment it's it's intended to to, to cause you to believe for a moment that you're you're in this sort of dystopian um, ultra totalitarian like Marxist future, um, and that's precisely because it it's you know the 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 microscope is sort of tuned in in a way that you're not able to to, to quite get the full perspective, yeah. and then you recognize that holy shit this is actually just modern China this is today. Um, and it, and it is very much realistic in that respect. In that respect, so it's uh, it's it's a pretty interesting. Like you, you begin thinking that this is magical realism and end realizing it's not. That sounds cool. I'm going to read it. Jer, what are yeah, you listening yeah. to? Um, so I'm actually watching and uh, not having a ton of spare time these days. I've gotten in lazily, having moved back to Boston and living in. Uh, in the Duat, I have uh, gotten into City on the Hill, the Showtime show, um, which is uh, Kevin. Are you going to join a gang? Uh, <laughs> the well, they're, you know, they're, they've all been cleaned up. This is a very safe place, not Christian. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's like super easy watching. It has flaws, like any kind of show does, especially about a city that you know. I'm not. I don't ever consider myself from or of Boston, and nor do and it does do Bostonians if you're not actually from here. But, um, <laughs> no, but there if your is, great grandparents weren't from there. What are you talking about? <laughs> there is a um, you know just kind of interest level in the fact that I've I've been around the city a lot of my life and, and do have um, yeah relatives from here, and so there's. Um, just some interest of like what went on in the '90s, the cleaning up of neighborhoods and, and kind of the the breaking of the the, the, the story centers around yeah the whitey gangs and the bank robberies and centers around a DA and, and then Kevin Bacon being sort of a corrupt FBI agent kind of undoing all of that and um, you know it may be time and place at this point but uh, I find it pretty entertaining it's a, it's a pretty good show yeah I'm, oh, I'm so it's like it's like the white wire <laughs> no it's, it's surprisingly <laughs> yeah. good. it's not it has not, you know nowhere near the depth. Of the Wire, and actually, uh, it's written by a guy named Chuck McLean, who I knew from from L.A. He's a Boston guy, but um, it's uh, I, I'm you know nobody can be more critical of of Boston centric uh, movies and television than than people who live here. And um, that's what you think. It's well, I mean, <laughs> the nitpicking is insane, and it's uh, yeah, no, I'm sure it's and but I, I actually think they did a good job here, and I like it, and I'm enjoying it as well. Um, that said, I have uh, I'm returning from vacation with a lot of recommendations, so uh, Fleischman is in trouble. Uh, I highly recommend very funny book yeah, about a New that. York divorce, um, and you know, funny from, from go and poignant and excellent, and then I Follow that up with a book called Ask Again Yes by, uh, I believe it's Mary Beth Keene. Um, and it is a very quiet, um, very uh, focused, you know, story of two families uh, who are uh, very intimately bound um, Irish immigrant, but each uh uh, one has one parent that's an Irish immigrant. Uh, takes place in the 80s and 90s and 2000s, so it is very familiar. Jerry, you'll particularly the timeline. I think the main characters are your age exactly, um, and it's just a really well told story. Not a ton of fireworks, but one of those things where somebody 
does something so quietly and eloquently, um, like tell this story, I, I, I appreciate as much as I appreciate anything that has the kind of dynamics that, that hook you. Um, what was that called? It's called Ask Again, Yes. Ask Again, Yes. And yes. is that, so it's the a sort of the one sentence uh, synopsis, if it's possible? It's uh, two families, two um, uh, families of two New York City police officers living in the suburbs whose lives um, become very intertwined, intertwined. Yeah. in a, um, you know, through tragedy and redemption. And um, it's, I can't really tell you a lot because there's, like I said, it's, it's very quietly told. There is one, um, you know, uh, inflection point that's crucial to the rest of it, but I wouldn't ruin the book by telling you what it is. Um, that said, I'm also watching The Loudest Voice, uh, HBO's Roger Ailes um, miniseries starring Russell Crowe. It's really good. Yeah, it's it's uh, that was actually on my on my list for uh, for for next week. But yes, it's um, I will I will be back with a maybe we should actually uh, round up a what are you listening to episode because I've got a ton of stuff that okay. that's sort of in the in the books and uh, TV space. Yeah, I would love to talk more about Fleischman is in trouble too, and I'd love to get you guys to read it. I will maybe we can do a book club because I want to read uh, China Dream as well. Um, All right. But like Let's everything you've uh, like everything you've recommended today, I, I I love the idea and I can't stand the title. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so let's add let's uh, add a, a song to the ten the four billion ten best songs of all time list. Uh, Jer. Yeah. So um, I realize we don't have a spoon song on the list, and uh, I also realized how freaking hard it is to pick one song by Spoon because they're pretty great all around it's and uh I, you know a band that we all love and uh i love and i've struggled with this choice and i feel like i may be judged for it but i really don't give a shit and uh the first um the first album that i really got into via Sp- uh, by spoon is girls can tell and it was uh when i was living in texas and um around them kind of meandering around the city playing a lot and trying to get this record out there and i'm gonna put on everything hits at once it's a song that I uh, I always love, and I'm uh, sure will bewilder you guys. But I, I think it's a great track, and it was the first song that really hooked me. And I was like, this band is great. No, yeah. well, as long as you like it, you know. I like it. Um, <laughs> Selfish. I, I like it. I, I there. It's, but it is funny. There, you know, we were talking about off offline the fact that Spoon's putting out a greatest hits album, and how difficult that would be to curate because. I would come up with ten have songs. We, have, have we trashed, yeah, by I the way, their new song? We will, we, 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 there will be more Spoon songs on our Infinite playlist, definitely. But, um, yeah, that song has just, like, a groove. It was the beginning of them really finding their sound, that sparse kind of sound. And, and, uh, it's yeah, the deconstructionist. Yeah. How about you, Christian? What so are you when, putting on? Uh, sorry, I was going to throw it back at you. Oh. Go for it. Yeah, Wyndham, go ahead. All right. I'm going to put Mama Said Knock You Out by LL Cool J on. Nice. That is a good one. Uh, and I'm going to put on Cause Equals Time by Broken Social Scene. Nice. It's a good one. All right. Well, thank you, guys. And uh, we get a lot of listening and reading to do, so uh, I'm going to get to it right now. Talk to you next week. Cool. Later. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. 
Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.